You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hello, listeners. I'm Paige Smith with SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement, and thank you for joining us on Below the Radar. On this episode, I had the opportunity to interview documentary filmmaker Teresa McKeans. Teresa is one of the directors of the documentary film Conviction, a film which gives a sobering look at the lives of different women inside two Nova Scotian prisons. Together, Teresa and I talk about how collaborating with these women in the prisons was an integral part of the film, what it was like to work on the film, and the importance of challenging our perceptions of women in prison. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Below the Radar. I'm Paige Smith, and I'm here with Teresa. Hi, Paige. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's lovely to be here. Great. So we're here to talk about your feature documentary, Conviction. Can you please tell us a little bit about your film, Conviction? Okay, so Conviction um, is a collaboration with women inside two prisons in Nova Scotia. One was a provincial facility and one was a federal. And the majority of it takes place in the uh, provincial prison. And uh, Nance Ariella and I collaborated with um, a group of about 12 women to imagine what they would have needed in their lives to have avoided prison. And so we, you know, we start the whole thing with them singing, we put art supplies, and we did sort of a series of about six days trying to get them to open up and imagine what they would have needed. And so then a few of them naturally gravitated towards us in the film, and we continued and we followed them. Um, for a couple of years, actually, there was a, in total, a four year process. Uh, and then we also, um, had always planned to do this in a federal institution, but it took us two and a half years to get permission to go in there. Um, and we knew that that was going to happen and we hoped. So what we decided to do with the women there is we thought, wouldn't it be interesting, because music and art is such a big part of this film. We thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they wrote a song and, or wrote, about their experience and helped us with the music. So the women at the provincial really helped us imagine with their footage and their art. And the women at the federal helped us with the music. So when you see a lot of the music and the singing and the opening and the closing, it's they actually, we spent six days with them and they wrote this music for the film. And it's it's sort of, they're sort of like a Greek chorus of the film, if you will. <laughs> yeah, because that's what opens the film, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just to speak to that, what was the inspiration? You're saying like you wanted the women to be able to imagine what they would have needed, but was there some more more to the idea to give them more like direct power in the making of the film? They almost feel like collaborators in that way. Absolutely. They're, they are collaborators and each one of them we wanted, you know, it's really hard to, I mean, obviously we didn't work with all 13 of them that we worked with, but again, some of them gravitated. And so they became very much agents of their own story. So they shot footage. We showed them sections of the film 
they had a say and how they were portrayed, what they wanted to say about themselves, what they didn't want. And so, yes, they very much, we see them as collaborators in, in that respect, not so much of the overall film, um, but of their sections. That's amazing. Um, can you speak more to what it was like to collaborate with your co-directors? Why was there three of you and what was it like to also be directing and producing? Well, it's, it's interesting because we all started together and we tried to separate roles out, <laughs> but because we had sort of been in development, even before we went into, um, the prison, we had been collaborating on this for a year. It was hard to separate those roles. So we did everything together and we had very few resources. Um, Annette Clark, who is a producer at the National Film Board was great. And she really helped us a lot throughout the film, but development, she really gave us this freedom to go out and, and experiment with this. And so, so we just did it together. Um, it, it was difficult. Like everything takes about, I don't know, 10 meetings, <laughs> you know, so it's hard. But what was great about it was that we all came from similar perspectives, but different. So we all brought things to this film and this film would not be what it is without the three of us and our perspectives and different things we fought for. And we had this rule that, well, if there's two, you know, it's like, okay, we got to do a vote. <laughs> and so we would often do these votes. Um, but it was, it was great, but time consuming, but great. And it wasn't, again, just us collaborating. We had um, a broadcaster who weighed in, Jordana Ross from Documentary Channel. We had, again, Annette Clark and the um, Michelle from the National Film Board. And then we had the women. And then we had Kim Pate, who was my inspir personal inspiration for the film. I mean, she didn't watch the filming weigh in, but she was she was with us the whole step of the way, guiding us. And I mean, this woman is somebody who this is her life's work and passion and knows every inch of every institution in this country. And I have tremendous respect for her guidance in that regard, not so much about the film. She was really good about that, but she helped us navigate the system and our how we spoke about things, how we presented things, how or she had a lot of concern for the women. And so she was sort of like a counsel. So there was a lot of people, but the three of us logged, Arielle and Nance and I logged a lot of time together and we're still very good friends, if that's any <laughs> indication of how it went. And I wish they were here. <laughs> Didn't break up your friendship making no, a movie. <laughs> no, it brought us together. That's awesome. Can you maybe speak to what Kim's specialty is? Well, Kim, when I met her, uh, I met her several years before we started making the film. Uh, she was the um, executive director of the Canadian Association Elizabeth Fry Societies. Um, and for those who don't know, Elizabeth Fry is uh, a great advocacy organization for women. They work with women in prison on every level. Uh, of advocacy help when they get out, etc. So she sort of oversaw many chapters. The chapters are actually autonomous across the country, but some of them, the majority of them are a collective as well. So she was the head of that and just was a, has been a huge influence in policy around women in prison and is, and in the course of the film became a Senator, which was a surprise to her, to us. And now she's really is bringing these issues to government. And during the course of the film, for instance, brought senators around uh, human rights uh, committee to examine prisons and visit prisons and make recommendations to the government. So she continues to do amazing work. Yeah, it was really inspiring seeing her throughout the film and seeing what she was advocating for. And just you can really like, I'm not surprised the film took you four years to make because you can feel the length because time passes so much in the film. We see 
women, like a woman that's pregnant and then not pregnant anymore. And we see like people go in and out of the facilities, you know, be released, be readmitted. We see Kim become a senator. I, I think one of the things that really is impactful about that is that we see the results of this broken system in the long term. And then we also see the possibilities that some of these women were able to have more happy lives because of these small little opportunities like the project they were brainstorming and everything, right? And I think it's really great that the film allows for that. You know, it's not just like we went there for a week and here's what prisons are like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, it was important because there's been a lot of films and good films about prison and prison issues and people's experience. So we really wanted this to be something that would have impact that would really, I mean, one of the things that really got us going on this and ultimately why we decided to do it is they are the fastest growing population, not only in Canada, but around the world. And, you know, the numbers are horrific when you look at the rates of women with addictions, with mental health issues, with trauma-based issues, with in poverty. These are not uh, amount of Indigenous women, women of colour in prison. These are not coincidences. And we as a society, I really feel we need to get to know them and we need to really question, you know, it's like, why is this group primarily the group that are in prison and we have to question some of the policies and why are we directing so much into corrections and not into the community so these are all the reasons we wanted to do it um and so we had to take care with it and we had to make sure we we did it right and that the women felt it was right and kim thought it was right and um And we were able to do that. And we were able to do that because, uh, you know, ironically enough, because of also corrections, they allowed us there. Right. And I think the people there agree with a lot of these things that we're saying in the film. Yeah. Well, and the correction officer, Tanya, like she seemed like she was like a perfect character because she really like character. I mean, just in the sense, like she seemed like the perfect avenue to express that, you know, like she was there and all their art making and she was participating and, you know, she seemed to really care and, and yeah, be on the same side as the film, basically. Well, Tanya's great and she continues to be engaged with the film and um, with the project that came out of the film from the ground up. And um, it was interesting because once we were allowed to go and, and meet the women and, and, and do this with, with the women, she was assigned as our champion because the women liked her and she, she, you know, she really went into it to help. And I think sometimes just because of the nature of the job, it becomes difficult for them. I mean, she explains it in the film that they're forced to put up these boundaries, right? So, um, so she, she was different. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just so happy she's still involved. Yeah, maybe you could speak a little bit to the project that the women uh, developed from the ground up and what that whole idea was for the women. So we we spent this six days with them at um, the provincial prison and we um, we started following them. And at one point they were all out and probably about a year later they were all back in and we were with them and they were pretty down. And they were pretty like, oh man, like, and they started talking and Tanya said, well, ask the question again, but what would you have needed? And that's when Bianca said, I needed a place to live. Because when you see Bianca in the film, she didn't have anywhere to go um, when she left. So um, 
so yeah, so it started with that. And then Trina, yeah, I've always wanted to build a farm, right? <laughs> I've always wanted, and the whole idea was this home, like creating a place that's home because so many people, not all, but a lot of people that end up in prison, there seems to be a trend of them being in care, um, being in foster care or having a really hard childhood. And so home and unconditional love are a, a constant theme I certainly heard. And so, you know, and that's the hard thing about this is that what would you have needed in your life? Well, you need love. You need a home. So how do you, you know, and a lot of them would say, well, God, I just, you know, if I have to pay somebody to help me, what is that? So, so the, anyway, so this whole session started and they started saying, yeah, let's do it. And next thing you know, cause we have all these art supplies there. They started creating this house that they would have loved to have gone to. And it was called from the ground up is what they called it. Yeah. And it was really beautiful seeing like they at one point make a 3d sort of paper house and then they draw all their like kind of ideas of what it should look like. And it was really beautiful to see them like working together too. And yeah. And them being like, we need this and we would need this. And, and they talk about the cycle thing too, of like, it's not just that they, you know, because the, the structure of the prison seems to be what, you know, some of them keep coming back because of that. So it's this from the ground up, the ability to not just be helped, but to then be able to be mentors like they talked about, which was beautiful. Yeah. It made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, um, it hasn't, it's still a dream, but they're still working on it. The women in the, the film? The women in the film, the architect in the film, Anne Sinclair, she's still working on it. I hope it happens. And they're working on it. And every time we have a screening, a little idea comes out, right? Like, well, what about, you know, my uncle has this piece of land, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, so so that's, I still have belief. I'm still an, I'm an optimist and I still believe that community has the ability to create uh, from the ground up however they see it because every community has different needs and different ways that they would build from the ground up but that's our dream for all communities is to have a place where people feel safe and that they don't feel safer in prison than in society yeah exactly and I think the film will, will help with that as more people see the film it can hopefully like spur those seeds in people well I hope so I mean that's the idea and we we were fortunate to work with Good Pitch Vancouver which uh is run by Sue Bealey and um, Anthony Swan, and they helped us develop tools and ideas to do at every screening. And every time we have a screening, new screenings come out, new pro new ideas come out, and it's just a, it's wonderful to be a part of something like that. And you know, we have so many ways people can get involved, and it's on our website and all of that. I looked at some of the other films you've made, and you've dealt with a lot of different issues, prostitution in Canada, and. Um attitudes towards menstruation, inequality for women artists. And I'm sure with every project you're, you're surprised or learning something. So was there something with this project that you learned like about the topic of women incarceration and everything like that? Well, I, I guess at the end of the day, it always comes back to equality and um, each one of these things I tackle are about equality and, you know, some people have said, well, why aren't you talking about all people in prison, women? I, I just think that this is, I'm looking at it from an equality perspective. Um, and for me, the most shocking thing was the amount of women in poverty and the amount of women, um, yeah, the women of color, the women, like 
it's the numbers are so skewed. It's, it's totally reflective of our inequality in, in our society. So I wasn't surprised, but it was a different perspective. And I didn't think it was as bad as it is always that way. I didn't think it was as bad as it was, but it actually is. And so we have to, if we have the opportunity to tell these stories, we have to do it. I just feel compelled to do it. And it's important. And But I think that that's at the root of everything I do is equality. Yeah, that makes sense. You can definitely see that theme and it definitely is felt throughout conviction. You know, I even just at the end of the film, um, I'm sorry, I forget her name, the lady that does the smudging. Laura Tony. Yeah. yeah, like you, you know, she has such powerful her little sequences are so powerful with her and that red door and she just wants grass. She just wants to be able to touch the grass and she just wants to be able to be with the trees, like one tree. And, and, you know, I, I really felt for her and, and at the end she didn't have as happy an ending as some of the other women. And yeah, it was just, I think it's, it's something where we as a society really have to like look at. And, and I think the film is addressing this, like, you know, it's not just do the crime, do the time. Like, what is the circumstance that leads to the actions that end up putting someone in prison, you know? Yeah, and, and Kim says it well. It's it's not about accountability or not taking responsibility. It's about understanding the circumstances. And, you know, when you have a lot and you're, you come from a more privileged place, life is still hard, but it's nothing compared to what some people have to endure in their life. And we have to be more compassionate and understand what, I mean, it's like Trina's poem. It's like, how do you feel when you're hiding below a porch and you're being taken away at 12, 13 years old and you're, you're, you're scared and you're being brought to a place and I mean, and, and that age, like it's, it's trauma induced stuff and it's not, you know, we even want to say addiction and mental, these things come from trauma based events. They're not, it's not the addiction or the mental health issues that are causing people to do these things. It's the trauma mm. that induces these things that then induces, right? you know, so you've got, we got, we have to look at what comes first. And so a lot of the solutions, yes, we want from the ground up, but we also have to look at kids in care and at those systems and what we're doing when people are abused and what what we're offering. I come from that social work background. That's where I, I did my degree in psychology at SFU. <laughs> uh, I always intended to be a psychologist and then I got into filmmaking in a fluke way and I realized this it was a really good way to people to share their stories. But my short, short stint in working with, I ran a teen mom program in Richmond for five years actually. And I realized a lot of those women were coming from a, histories of abuse. There was like a halftime counselor for the whole entire city of Richmond at the time. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no. I'm sure that's changed, but it really hasn't, like, because there's more people, so the waiting lists. So the scene in the film with Bianca at the picnic table, and she can't get through to anyone, that's a realistic scene. And, you know, it takes a long time to get into detox. It takes, but yet we're put millions of dollars billions of dollars into prisons. Why is that? Like, why do we not, why do we close our eyes to some of these issues? Why are we not putting some resources into that? That's what I've never understood. And that's kind of at the core. And I, and I think it's, yeah, it's at the core of everything I'm doing now. And that's, that's going to be the rest of my life's work. Yeah. 
Did you relate to Tanya when she spoke about the difficulty to separate her work in the prison with her personal life? Did you find that difficult when you were making the film? It's a good question. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, I've, as I mentioned, I've been working in social work along, well, sort of not in social work. I, I started in working with at-risk youth and all through university, first five years, and then all my films. So it's been something I've always had to deal with. But I'll tell you, it's hard to walk away. And I did it when I was working with teen moms and I did it in this film. Somebody has nowhere to go. That's a really difficult thing to do. It's a moral dilemma. It's an ethical dilemma. Um, But I just feel the only, you know, when you don't understand something, this is what I've done. I try and make a film about it because it helps me try and process it. So the actual act of making the film is kind of the way I deal with it. Because I didn't know how to deal with it as a social worker because it was just so overwhelming. And I remember I'd come home and I'd say, this is like, there's nobody helping these people. So I have to, that's, and then what, you know, with the teen mom, I made a film about it. So making films is the way I deal with it. (laughs) But yeah, I find living in our society difficult at times because I see things. I see the way our systems and our structures are. So, so I, I do find it difficult. Yeah. I think it would be difficult for anyone. I think art making in general can really help anyone with that if it's on a higher level or just a hobby. And I think that's why it was really nice to see the women be participating and making their own art and everything. And even like through the prompts, like it seems like it would probably help them process everything, you know? I love that layer of the film. And I really have to thank uh, Ariella and Nance for probably bringing that, especially Ariella, because she had done a film before Conviction where she was in a rehab center doing a lot of the same, similar stuff. I was very inspired by that approach. And that's where you see this. That's why I love collaborating with other directors as they bring other layers that I might not think of. And so, um, so I love that layer of it too. That's awesome. Yeah. Just want people to see it. And uh, it's going to be broadcast on Documentary Channel on December 1st. We have a ton of screenings leading up to that. So check out our website. Um, It's just convictiondocumentary.com. And we list the screenings and ways people can get involved. So, yeah, I just would love to communicate with people about it. And any ideas people have would be awesome. Yeah, I think after seeing the film, people will want to to help. I know after seeing it, I'm like, oh, what can what can we do? Like, this seems like something we really need to work all together on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. well, thank you for joining us and having this conversation with me. It was a pleasure to talk to you and and watch the movie and everything. So thank you. Well, thank you, Paige. I enjoyed it, too. Thank you again to Teresa McKeons for joining us on this episode of Below the Radar. To learn more about the documentary film Conviction and hear about upcoming screenings, you can check out the link in the description below. As always, many thanks to our team that puts this podcast together, including myself, Paige Smith, Rachel Wong, and Farella Pinoyos. David Steele is the composer of our theme music, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Below the Radar. Below the Radar.